Gotham Sound is your one-stop audio solution for microphones, mixers, recorders, podcasting, and wireless. Whether you're looking to rent or buy sound equipment, are working at a church, feature film, a television show, podcast, theater, or a student project, Gotham Sound is here to serve you. With a huge selection of new and used gear, it's your first stop before you buy. Gotham Sound has the pro audio you need to make your project sound true professional. Gotham has been around for 18 years perfecting pro audio. Visit us at GothamSound.com. Charlotte Christian College and Theological Seminary believes that every Christian has a distinct calling and that he or she must boldly respond to that call. Charlotte Christian specializes in equipping the adult learner and all degrees are available both online and on campus. Degree fields include urban Christian ministry, biblical studies, pastoral studies, and more. So whether you are called to full-time ministry or as a co-vocational minister, Charlotte Christian can help you. Visit us at charlottechristian.edu or call 704-334-6882. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. We have a very special guest with us, Dr. Philip Riken. He's the eighth president of Wheaton College. He's written a book about the Song of Songs, and he joins us. Welcome. Thank you, Michael. It's uh, great to talk with you, and uh, glad for the people who are listening in. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. You're a big deal. You're the president of Wheaton College. Michael, I'm a small deal, but I, <laughs> I do have a significant calling as uh, president of Wheaton College. It's a privilege to serve there. This is my hometown, a uh, place I grew up. It's great to be back. I've been back uh, serving as president for the last 10 years. Well, we want to find out about you because it's certainly illustrious, the school and your position, of course, and we appreciate your humility. But you've written a book 
The Love of Loves in the Song of Songs. And so uh, I've been waiting for a book like this because you kind of tell it like it is. I don't know why pastors are afraid or shy away from it, the content, but uh, God wants us to love one another, husband and wife, and uh, in, in Christ. Can you tell us why you wrote the book? Yeah, so I, I love teaching the Bible, Michael. Uh, it's my privilege to uh, speak regularly in chapel at Wheaton College, uh, both to our undergraduate students and to our grad students. And um, I just felt where our, our culture is so confused on so many issues around sexuality. And there's a lot about that in, uh, in the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, as some people call it. But it's really, um, it's really a book about the romance that uh, we have not only at a human level, but also the soul's romance to our Savior God. And I, I wanted to explore both uh, dimensions of that. I, I love teaching from the Old Testament, and this is an Old Testament book. Uh, I love helping people see how every part of the Bible is connected to the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is a great book for doing that. Yes. And, um, and you know, I, I kind of like difficult assignments. It's not the easiest book in the Bible yeah. to teach, which is uh, why maybe some people shy away from it. But it, it's a tremendous experience to work through it. That's true. I mean, God, he created, uh, I mean, all the parts, let's just be honest. And, uh, and also he's passionate. God, you know, it's, it's bizarre, right? How uh, you have uh, Christian scholars thinking that uh, we shouldn't be talking about that, but God wants us to talk about that. And so what's the correlation between, uh, you know, human sexuality or love for one another, husband, wife, and, uh, and Jesus? One way of looking at the whole story of the Bible is in terms of, uh, in terms of a romance you know, the Bible begins with a relationship between a man and a woman who are husband and wife. And as you read through the Bible, you, you start to see God styling himself as the lover of his people, as mm. their husband. Yes, uh, We are often unfaithful in our relationship with God. That's a pretty prominent theme in the Old Testament scriptures. And by the time you get to the New Testament, one way I like to think about it is in the New, you, you have this love relationship. This is how God describes his relationship with his people. And in the New Testament, the groom walks into the room. And uh, some of the language and imagery around Jesus Christ and his love for his people is marital, romantic imagery. And by the time you get to the end of the Bible, the relationship between God and his people is described in, in marital terms. It's the wedding supper of the lamb. The Bible begins with a blind date and it ends with a wedding reception. I love it. It's one way of looking at the, the narrative arc of scripture. And I think the song of songs in some way is the soundtrack. Yes. And Dr. Reichen, I think more Christian marriages would stay together if we love passionately. You know, and, and do, do, do marriages, that do they see it as worship? I mean, uh, that's what I heard, right? That, that Christians love each other. It should really be, it's under a bond, right? What is it called? A chesed, a covenant. And uh, we, should, we should love passionately, but do uh, Christians consider uh, expressing love as worship? So, I mean, you've brought some great themes in there, Michael. I mean, the covenant is a key theme in the Bible. The, the love promises that God makes to his people and marriage also is described as a covenant. These are uh, love promises that you make that can only be broken by death. And interestingly, I mean, I think it's so helpful. The Song of Songs is really love poetry. And at a certain point, the woman in this relationship refers to her beloved as both my lover and my friend. 
Mm. And I think you bring together in just that one simple phrase, uh, the two core aspects of a healthy marriage relationship. There's a friendship, a comradeship, a companionship. Um, I mean, I, I love to, I love to say that, uh, my wife, Lisa is my best friend. That's been true almost since I met her It's more than a friendship. It's a, it's a romance. There's a passion there that's enduring that I think over time runs deeper, but, uh, you know, song of songs, chapter five, verse 16, this is my beloved and this is my friend. Mm. And, uh, that's the calling and the opportunity, uh, of a marriage in its full biblical ideal. Yeah, there's there's intimacy there. But I mean, people looking on the outside, sometimes they wonder, right? They see anemic type of Christians going through form and functionality, but it's that passionate. It's that intimate. And if people only knew, right, that our relationship with Jesus, with Yahweh is uh, is very intimate and passionate. And uh, so tell us more. Well, you know, I, I think certainly our relationship with the Lord should be passionate. Worship is one place where we express those passions. But I, th- I think like any relationship, I mean, we're, we're fallen people with, our, with our, our weakness and sin, and any of our relationships go through seasons of less or greater intimacy. That's true in our, our love relationship with God. And I, I think, you know, one of the amazing things about His grace is He always has a passionate love for us. So it's easy for that relationship to be renewed and rekindled because there is always a willing lover uh, who's waiting to receive us. So Dr. Reichen, is it, is it a sexual book? Is it a spiritual book? Obviously it's both. And why don't uh, the pastors touch it on the pulpit? Yeah, so, you know, it's really both. You know, I think one reason why it's a more difficult book for people is because it is written in the form of poetry. Actually, 40% of the Bible is written in the form of poetry. So um, it's something that we need to get uh, used to. You know, one of the things I said to my students is, you may think that you don't really know how to read poetry or appreciate poetry, but actually you engage with poetry every day and love poetry at that. Because most uh, popular music, you know, just a huge huge majority of the material in popular music relates to relationships and love relationships, and it's poetry. And I said, here's one way to think about the Song of Songs. Uh, This is like the liner notes uh, with the lyrics that go to uh, your favorite album. And when when you put it into that kind of context, uh, you realize, you know, this is a kind of literature that I can um, appreciate. One thing that makes it difficult as a book is there's a lot of natural imagery. Um, what I mean by natural imagery is both the man and the woman in this love relationship often compare one another to things that they see or experience in the natural world. And mm-hmm. that, that's not uncommon in love relationships. I mean, there's a reason why springtime is for lovers. You're outside, you're enjoying the flowers and the beauty of creation. And there's something about that beauty which resonates with the soul and somehow seems related to this human love relationship that you have. And the song of songs is, is very much that kind of book. I don't know. You could read it in 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, but if you spent, you know, half an hour with each chapter over a period of a week, you would get a lot more out of it just by meditating and thinking about the images in the book. I, you know, as a, as a preacher, I love to explain things. So I, I think this is a great book for uh pastors to use because there's a lot to explain and, and help people understand. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is that it, you, we, I haven't heard that many sermons about the Song of Songs. I mean, that's why I want to have you on 
because uh, this is a, a book that uh, it's not explored very much, and it's a beautiful book. And uh, and I just feel that you know, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, uh, we're, we talk about other books of the Bible. Where does this really fit in for you and Christians? Yeah, so I think I agree with you. I mean, I, I think you can make a case it is perhaps the most beautiful book um, in the Bible. And I, I think this originally very likely was set to music. Uh, these were songs that were familiar in ancient Israel as something you'd hear at a wedding reception. Usually weddings were week-long occasions with a lot of singing and dancing in those days. And this is, this is the, these are the kinds of things that you would uh, want to be singing about. I think one challenge with the book is that it operates on two levels, and that gives it a kind of complexity. It's a human-level story about a man and a woman who fall in love with one another. Over the course of their relationship, there, there's very passionate relationship right from the beginning, but it needs to be tested a little bit. They need to see what kind of commitment they'll make to one another and what kind of security they can find in their relationship. It leads by chapter four to a marriage and it's, you know, the exchange of vows. This is obviously a marriage relationship. There's a fight that follows that possibly on the honeymoon. Then there's a reconciliation oh, no. after that. <laughs> by the time you get to the end of the book, there's the prospect of, of children and very strong affirmations of the enduring power of love. All of that happens at the human level. And is this is yet, it safe to say that, uh, not to interrupt, but is it safe to say this is uh, King Solomon's uh, number one, I say main squeeze, main, main love. I mean, you know, before he went south and, and started looking at concubines, he was in, he was in love. So I, I think the real picture is a little more complicated, uh, Michael, and that's part of the complexity of the book. So I think that's a place where people struggle. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. It was a thousand women too many. You have this story of this love relationship, possibly. This is, uh, this, you know, this is the early Solomon. I think that's one uh, credible way of interpreting the book. Here's another way of thinking about it, though. People have a huge fascination with royal weddings, even in our own time. You know, just think of, you know, Meghan and Harry, William and Princess Kate, you know, when they got married, what a big deal that was, mm -hmm. you know, people tuning in, you know, in the middle of the night or early in the morning or whenever it was. And I think it's possible that the author of this book is elevating love and romantic, a romantic relationship, possibly one that he himself has experienced, elevating it by putting it in a royal context. You know, in a way, we always do that with weddings because you you dress up in a way like a person you're not. And there is a, a beauty and a dignity and an elevation about weddings that, it, you know, the clothing that you wear, it would be like preposterous in ordinary, ordinary everyday life. Everything is elevated. There's a sense in which you have a prince and a princess every time a couple gets married. True. So I think one way of looking at this book is um, the relationship is set in a context of uh, the royal court to elevate the relationship. And it's, it's uh, you know, this is one of many things that are a little tricky about the book. It starts by saying the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And that's a little different than saying Solomon wrote this. Certainly it's possible. He was a gifted writer. It's the kind of thing he might have written. Um, but it's, You think God wrote it, right? I definitely know the Holy Spirit wrote it. Yes. Um, yeah, but we still have to wrestle with some of those questions of human authorship and 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 quite how it fits in. But that's that's one of the complexities of the book. The other thing is, you know, there's a lot of erotic imagery here, sexually charged language, which I think is erotic without ever becoming pornographic. And a number of places, 
we are brought up right up to the bedroom chamber. Wait, hold on. And hold then, that thought. We have to take a break, but I, I hate to do that. But our audience That's a good place to do it right there. <laughs> the bedroom chamber coming up in just a bit. Dr. Philip uh, Riken, he is the eighth president of Wheaton College, and we're so ha- glad that he's here. And he's got a great book that you should buy. It's called The Love of Loves in the Song of Songs. How do we love poems in the Song of Songs? How does it fit with the rest of God's Word? Stay tuned. We're going to find out right after this. God has designed you for a unique purpose. Get equipped for God's call with a degree from Clark Summit University. Choose from undergraduate and master's degrees available completely online in programs like business, counseling, Bible, and education. For some programs, it's possible to earn your degree in as little as two years, or you can complete the degree you previously started. See if you qualify for a tuition discount. Answer God's call on your life and become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate. Go to clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. That's clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. Start your fragrance line and make money with bostonperfumery.com. Design custom cologne or perfume using natural ingredients. Imagine 10% butterscotch, 20% sandalwood, and 70% vanilla dark. Choose any scents and any percentage from the Boston Perfumery Sun Chart, then name your custom fragrance. Visit bostonperfumery.com. Again, bostonperfumery.com. Everyone deserves a signature scent. The world and everything in it delivers sound journalism grounded in God's Word through a daily 30-minute podcast. From essential headlines to feature stories to international news straight from the field, After only one or two listens, you'll wonder how you got through your daily routine without it. Listen anywhere you typically enjoy podcasts or by going to wng.org slash podcast. Okay, we're back with Dr. Philip Riken, and he is the president of Wheaton College. We have a a special book called The Love of Loves and the Song of Songs. It's a a book, the uh, Song of Solomon, if you will. Not many people talk about it, and yet it's a beautiful book filled with eroticism, imagery, uh, also a depiction of really how we're going to be married to Christ, and uh, Dr. Riken unpacks it all. We've uh, left the audience a little bit on a, a, you know, they can't wait. We're talking about the bedroom chamber. Dr. Riken take it away. (laughs) Well, I was just making the point, Michael, uh, before we went to the break, that the author of the Song of Songs is just really frank about the fact that in a, uh, a truly happy marriage, there is a strong sexual bond. Um, it's clear that the only place that sexual bond should take place is in marriage is in marriage. That's why this couple exchanges marriage vows. That's why there's a a wedding scene um, in the book. But the author is really careful, even though it's sexually charged, you have a sense of the passion in this relationship, it never crosses the line into the pornographic. And on a a couple of different occasions, it's as if you're you're brought up right to the door of the bedchamber and then the door is is closed (laughs) and you have a sense of the beauty, the passion, how sexually charged it is, but it doesn't cross the line into something that's that's inappropriate or where appropriate um, sexual boundaries have been crossed. But the, I'll tell you, the book comes pretty close to that line. God One created, of the things that's made the book uncomfortable for some readers. But God created sex. I mean, it's like, who are we? Are we, are we too prudent? I mean, God is very, very, I mean, look, I, I can't sleep 
Dr. Riken, because the birds are mating at night right now at this particular time. And they're, I mean, the birds and the bees, and it's okay to talk about it. I think maybe we'd have healthier relationships, certainly healthier marriages, of course, uh, if, uh, if we were more open about it and God opens the door. Well, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, it's not just possible, but actually important for us to be reading, talking about, and preaching uh, the Song of Songs. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So my, my daughter um, was a Wheaton College sophomore when I gave these messages in chapel at Wheaton. And she was walking out of the chapel after my first message from the book. And a student who didn't know her, who was a freshman, didn't really know who she was yet, uh, said, is it just me or is it really embarrassing that uh, President Reichen is uh, is talking about the Song of Songs? My daughter said, you think it's embarrassing for you? I'm his daughter. So, um, so but I think not only college students, but I I personally wouldn't have a, a hesitation about, you know, preaching this in a congregation that included children as well. There'd be aspects of it that they wouldn't understand. This is a great way to get uh, not just information about human sexuality, but also to get uh, a sensibility, of, an atmosphere, a flavor for how the Bible wants us to, to approach sexuality. I, there's no better place to do that in the Bible than the Song of Songs. And I like the way that you wrote. It wasn't in a highfalutin way. I mean, you, it's plainly, you know, you talk uh, directly about it in a way that I felt very comfortable in reading. I know other people will as well. Uh, how does this whole thing work, though? I, I, obviously, there is sexuality involved with that, and it's the bride that we are, and Jesus is the groom. How else does it all fit together uh, for Christians? What, they, what should they be looking for, you know, besides an intimacy uh, that we talked about already. So, you know, I'll just go back to earlier, Michael, I was mentioning Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 16. This is my lover. This is my friend. And I think that absolutely works in describing uh, the believer's relationship with Jesus Christ. And and Jesus on occasion referred to his disciples as friends. Uh, he said, look, you know, um, you know, we've got, you're not just my servants, you're my friends. Uh, I tell you my business. I'm sharing with you in this way because of, because of the friendship that we have. So there's a friendship aspect that Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. Um, he wants to be our truest and best friend, but he's also our, our lover. Um, I mean, I think of the way John, for example, describes Jesus in his gospel. He or describes himself actually as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And there's just so much in the Bible about the love of God, which is expressed to us in Jesus Christ. And the person and work of Jesus Christ and his relationship with us, there's a richness and a depth to that that cannot be exhausted by a single image. Jesus is shepherd. Jesus is king. Mm. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is groom. Jesus is husband. Jesus is elder brother. And all of those different images are, are teaching us true reality about our relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And I, I, I probably wouldn't want to elevate one over another, but certainly because it's a theme that runs all the way through the Bible and shows up in Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible, uh, this marriage relationship is very significant. And I, I would just also point to what Paul does in chapter five of Ephesians, 
where he's clearly talking about husbands and wives, human level relationships, what what should go right and what does go wrong in the loving relationship that husbands and wives have with one another. And then as, as the Apostle Paul comes to the end of this discussion about marriage, he says, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm actually not really talking about human level marriage. I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's actually a both and. Clearly, he is talking about marriage at the human level. But whenever we talk about the mystery of marriage, that is such a sacred thing, such a holy thing, so closely related to the love that Jesus has for us, that mm. we are always also talking about the love of Christ for the church. So I don't, when I turn to the Song of Songs, there's no way for me to think about that book or talk about that book without being two-dimensional. I, I've yeah. got to look at it at the human level, but I also have to look at it in, 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 the, in the spiritual, in the divine, in the eternal. Yeah, and we could say it that, you know, it's beautiful. Getting together, a husband and wife, is beautiful. And uh, shame on us, right? And pastors for not talking more about that. That is God thinks it's beautiful, and he created it. And it can be a sense of uh, spirituality and worship, you know, as uh, two people uh, come together in Christ. So we're going to learn more. Dr. Philip Ryken, he's with us. He's the president of Wheaton College, and he's written a book about the Song of Songs. And when we come back, uh, we're going to discuss just some marriages in the Bible, maybe what sets a good precedent, and how come uh, we only talk about uh, intimacy here in the Song of Songs right after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions, the ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Christians in Action Missions International is actively accepting applications from those desiring to win the lost at any cost. We've been sending long-term missionaries throughout the world for 62 years. We emphasize intentional personal evangelism, equipping disciples, and planting churches among the nations. We empower national leadership to demonstrate and declare the love of God to the Unreached. Journey with us as we take the gospel to the world. Log on at CINAMI.org. That's CINAMI.org. Or call 559-370-4103. Every day, over 3.5 million children walk, bike, and ride to a Christian school every day. But many of our schools are in danger of closing. Our Christian schools are too important to our children, to our families, and to our nation to let that happen. Christian School Management at christianschoolmanagement.org is dedicated to the health of our Christian schools. Contact christianschoolmanagement.org to help your Christian school fill and stay filled with children impacting our nation. Dr. Philip Riken is the president of Wheaton College, and he joins us. Remaining words, of course, uh, his book uh, about the Song of Songs. And um, you've written quite a few books. I should really mention uh, what you have here. You have uh, not only the love of loves in the Song of Songs, but the Messiah comes to Middle Earth. Other books, When Trouble Comes, talking about suffering, temptation, sin, and more. Of course, we'd like to have you on again as far as the edification of marriages. Not too many examples. I mean, Sarah and Abraham and uh, David started with Abigail, a, a good marriage, but uh, how come not enough examples? 
Yeah, so <laughs> it's interesting. The Bible's so amazing in this way. You would think that if you were trying to promote a religion, if Christianity were a religion, I'm not sure is the right way to think about it, but if you were, you would want to have a religious text, I think, that had a lot of examples of moral and ethical behavior. And you do have those examples in the Bible. I mean, wonderful examples of faith and courage, but um, boy, almost every well-known person in the Bible, the heroes and heroines, particularly ones that you learn more about, sooner or later, you're going to bump into their weakness, their failure, their sin. And so in the Bible, it's, it's rare to find, you know, some idealized, perfect example of marriage. And in fact, even the Song of Songs isn't that. Because at a certain point, this couple has a big argument and a big fight, and you know he he she won't let him into the bedroom. He storms off. She has to go out looking for him in the city, and it's dangerous. I mean, it, this is real life in in the Song of Songs and all the way through the Bible. And I think it's encouraging in a way because uh, you know when we encounter all of the just difficulty and problems and brokenness of human relationships as we do pretty much every day, um, the Bible is speaking to that. God has grace for us in our weakness, and um, he has a, a purpose and a plan for us. You do have some good examples. I mean, there are aspects of Abram and Sarah's relationship that are uh, worth emulating. Got some, you know, really nice story of Boaz and Ruth. I think interesting, you know, the parents of John the Baptist. Uh, that's an interesting marriage relationship with some nice give and take. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, but you don't you don't have that many where you can point to and say, "Hey, this is the perfect marriage." Um, yeah, really life don't. isn't like that, and the Bible's not like that either. Yeah, and Dr. Reichen, obviously, you know, being the president of Wien College, and uh, how did you? <laughs> I was going to say, how did you do the research? Obviously, you didn't plagiarize this book, of course not. But uh, what kind of research can you do, and where do you go to write a book like this? Well, yeah, so that's a great question, Michael. I'm. I mean, the, the most important thing is just spend time with the biblical text. Um, I will say that oftentimes you can get some good help from uh, commentaries and particularly on the Song of Solomon. I, I really like the work that Ian Duguid has done, gifted Old Testament scholar. Uh, Doug O'Donnell has a nice book on the Song of Solomon. So I, I'm always reading. I always like to read some of the early church fathers and some of the reformers. Um, but I'll tell you, when I'm approaching a book, I'm also looking for a lot of illustrations. I'm paying attention to what's happening in the news, drawing in lots of things that are happening in our world today that are relevant to the book. You know, I want to try to apply it in a real world setting. So those are some of the things that, you know, were helpful in working on this book. And I'll mention one more. And that is when we presented um, Song of Solomon in Chapel at Wheaton College, rather than simply you know, having me or somebody else read the text, we had students from our theater program actually present the text dramatically. In some cases, they composed original music to do some of the choruses I musically. Love I love that. And uh, it just really made the whole book uh, come to life. It's a little bit like Shakespeare. I mean, you, you read the play and you sort of know what's going on. Then when you see it acted out, you're like, okay, I get it now. Makes a lot more sense. And I think the Song of Solomon... Um, really stood up to that kind of presentation. And lastly, Dr. Reichen, last question here, is is it a stretch to say that the book is about Jesus? So I, I believe, Michael, the whole Bible is about Jesus, but the way that we understand how every part of the Bible connects to Jesus 
is not by, in my view, making that the first thing that we're looking for. We need to study the book on its own terms, understand it in its Old Testament context, see what kind of love relationship, in, in this case, the Song of Songs is about. And then we are able to see how it relates to our own spiritual pilgrimage, our own walk with God, our own relationship with Jesus. So we, we get to that point, but we really have to go back to the Old Testament world first. Otherwise, we're not going to see the connections that God wants us to see. Yeah. Thank you for writing this book. I mean, really, I can't think of too many of, about the Song of Songs, and you've written one. Dr. Philip Riken, he's the president of Wheaton College. And what subject do you teach there? So I'm, you know, as president of the college, I don't have a regular uh, classroom assignment, but I, I am a professor of theology, technically, uh, at Wheaton College. Yeah, we enjoyed having you on the program. The book is called The Love of Loves and The Song of Songs. And the husband and wife read it together and Christians read and get closer to God and realize that he's passionate. And, uh, and it's like worship as well, and uh, how much he loves us, Yahweh, Jesus. And uh, we, uh, once again, appreciate being on the program. Thank you, Michael. Great, great to talk with you about a great book of the Bible. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit North north-america.bearedynamic.com and by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable and mobile vocal booths. Visit vocalboothtogo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.